Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Cade. And you're listening to... Mysterious Mysteries 21. We'll be talking about the animal today. Some of the material we will be discussing is very graphic. Listener discretion is advised, so sit back, relax, and and enjoy. So today, on our first episode, we will be talking about Jerry McFadden, also known as the animal, who was a serial killer here in Hawkins, Texas. And this was back in May 4th, 1986. So, we're going to start discussing him. So, in Hawkins, on a clear May 4th, on 1986 evening, Susan Harrison, 18 years of age, and her best friend Gina Turner, at 20, waved goodbye to their families, jumped into the car to head out on an ill-fated ride around Lake Hawkins. It was a journey it was a journey with young women who had made many times before, mostly to soak up a few rays at a popular beachside teenage hangout spot called the Point, which is actually still there. Like they still use the Point a lot. <laughs> and it's actually kind of trashy. A lot of people it, just go to the beach now. Surprised it didn't just get shut down. You would think But on this particular day, they left the beach towels and portable radio behind. Their journey was not so much about tanning, but about meeting up with a friend, Brian Boone, who was at the age of 19, and taking a slow cruise around the water's edge. Shortly after meeting up, however, the trio disappeared, never to be seen alive again. Neighbors remember seeing them with a fourth person, a man who was older and largely unfamiliar in the area. It would be several gut-turning days before the bodies of all three young people were discovered, sparking a murder investigation and a manhunt of historic proportions, the likes of which East Texas had never seen. In the end, Jerry Walter McFadden, at the age of 38, a three-time convicted rapist, was arrested for the slayings. And before we get any further, he actually was convicted of a double rape in which he spent less than five years behind bars and was released on parole. He hastened to rape again. McFadden's second prison stay also lasted less than five years, after which he was again placed on parole. Within a year, he murdered two teenagers and raped and then murdered an 18-year-old girl. So, apparently, he got out with parole because the prisons were trying to keep the number of inmates low because they didn't want at that time in this time era to build more prisons so they're actually letting a lot of rapists come out of prison on good behavior or parole shortly going right back so they just get out and then immediately be sent right back when they should have just stayed there in the first place. So Pretty much. Uh, getting out of it, getting out of prison for it, for way less than what it should be. Yeah, because... And then turning around and going right back and getting out again. Yeah, and nowadays, you know, if you get convicted for rape, you can get up to 15 to 25 years, depending on how oh, severe yeah. it is. <laughs> So, in the end, Jerry Walter McFadden 
uh, a three-time convicted rapist, was arrested for the slings. And before the horrible summer of 1986 drew to a close, the residents still feeling from the loss would be demanding prison reform from Texas lawmakers so no other town would have to suffer the similar fate. It's been 30 years since some of Hawkins' best and brightest young people were murdered, yet many in the community are still coming to terms with this loss. So backtracking, I've done a lot of research. I've contacted a lot of people. I cannot find anything on his childhood. What caused him to have this, I guess, mental capacity of rape and murder. So I have no idea if he was abused. I don't know if he was the three characteristics of a serial killer being a bedwetter, torturing or killing animals at a young age, and arson. So I couldn't find any information on that, which is odd. It's normally when people do discussions over serial killers, they, they tend to always go back to the childhood and have some kind of recollection of you know their youth and nobody can find anything yeah whereas other people other serial killers you you can go back and see where it lined up and how events played out the way they did yeah but here there's just it just started one day yeah pretty much Alright, so, it was one of the first times we had a major crime in the area, said former Wood County Sheriff's Deputy and retired Constable David Barber, a 38-year lawman. Before that happened, you never locked your doors, you left your car keys in your car, and in this article it says your shotgun in the window at the time, I don't know if they're talking about the window of your car, window of your house... Pretty sure it's probably window of your car, like yeah, a truck. Yeah, truck. Gun rack. Yep. <laughs> Which people still do today. Oh, yeah. A lot, especially in this town. Uh, we never had anything like that happen here, is what they said. Which, if you look at a lot of serial killers, whenever they hit certain areas, that's usually what they say is something like this has never happened here that they're aware of. But former Wood County Sheriff's Deputy and retired Constable David Barber, and this was his statement, it was one of the first times we had major had a major crime in the area. Before that happened, you never locked your doors, and he just repeated himself. Just a safe time. place. Yeah, pretty much. Um, then the former Wood County Sheriff's Deputy and retired Constable David Barber... I don't know why that's there, so we'll just skip that. Decades later, the violence that unfolded that summer continued to defy explanation and understanding. And this is a quote from Glendia Lane, uh, Suzanne's aunt. Seems like yesterday and always will. You never get over it. You just learn to live with it. I think this is the worst thing that's ever happened in Hawkins, Texas. They were all good kids. They were the cream of the crop. The murders took place during the time when the state of Texas was reducing its prison population, like I was talking about earlier, to save money and free up space to avoid building new prisons. (coughs) 
At the time, prisoners were granted excessive time off their sentence for good behavior, essentially opening opening spots for the release. Among those chosen for early freedom was McFadden, described as a violent repeat offender who came up with his own, however fitting, nickname, Animal. Which, honestly, I think that's one of the yeah. stupidest names I've heard a serial killer give themselves. And a lot of yeah. people, a lot of serial killers don't give themselves names, it's usually in the media. So, it had to be premeditative. Uh, there had to have been something a long time ago before all this happened that he had already had the name set off. Yeah, to be able to just pick one, I mean, I don't know, but Animal just seems like a stupid name to me. Physically, McFadden cast an imposing shadow. He was a big, wild-haired man whose body was covered in devilish-looking tattoos featuring contorted faces and satanic imagery. And the image that I have that I will be posting on our Instagram page, which is Mysterious Mysteries 21 on Instagram. Got so many papers. The image I found of him didn't really have really devilish looking tattoos that I saw. Uh, it was more or less, I don't know, just almost like prison tattoos, in a way. Okay, well, I can't find the pictures, but I'll post it on the Instagram page. Also, tattoos back then were probably, you know, weren't as more accepted as today. That is true, especially in small towns like this. You know, being in the Bible Belt, it was kind of unheard of to have tattoos oh, yeah. especially visible ones that could be seen by the public uh, okay so I can't find a picture um, he was violent with women finding pleasure in stalking and then overpowering females that interested him according to officials in the prison records his actions resulted in a three conviction that should have kept him behind bars for years but the law at the time were, were bent in the favor of victims. McFadden, McFadden was granted parole in 1985 after serving less than five years of a 15-year sentence for aggravated sexual abuse of a young secretary. Originally from Haskell, Texas, he was allowed to move to a small community of Hawkins to live with his mother and sister. It was his second parole. His first parole for a double rape was granted after serving less than five years. The parole office in Tyler and area law enforcement knew about him, but most people in Hawkins had no direct knowledge of his presence or violent past. So no one knew, and he was just getting out and going back in for the same thing. And then not even serving his full term there because they didn't want to build more prisons, which... Like, tend to... <clears throat> like five to ten years off of your sentence because they just don't want to build prison. No, that's not how that. Well, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, you have all these people in prison right now for yeah. drug charges for pot, which I think is stupid. I don't necessarily smoke myself, but it's a natural plant that grows, and 
it's just natural, but they're going to keep them locked up, but let a rapist go free. That doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Exactly. I can't. I don't understand how they... At the time they were doing it, no. And ever, no. Yeah. Make them serve their full sentence or keep them there longer. Or have a, a hearing for parole, like... Yeah, to it, make sure they're stable to go back out into society. Yeah. Instead yep. of just handing out, you know, ten years here, five years here. Well, that's just it. He served less than five years. I mean, it doesn't really say how many years he spent for his first offense and his second offense, yeah. but it was less than five when he was supposed to be charged for up to 15 so the parolee agreed initially to follow the rules of course he did which amounted to the obvious get a job save money report in attend counseling and stay out of trouble because we all know rapists do all of that if he succeeded at least at these things even for a while the cash strapped texas panel system would be spared the cost of feeding and housing him so they would rather not keep him in and not feed or house him because it was taking too much money and set him free so he can go and rape and kill people knowing he's mentally unstable because literally if you go in two times for the same thing what makes these people think that he's not going to do it a third that just that blows my mind and it's definitely not the uh, honesty that they see in his heart. No. No. You can say anything you want to to get out. I mean, all you have to do is say what they want to hear. Exactly. It was a stupid time. <clears throat> but there was just one problem. McFadden didn't like following rules. Of course he did, and he preferred breaking them, it seemed. The state's parole board may have hoped for more than they agreed to give the serial rapist another shot at freedom. That's where they really fucked up. What he actually got was the opportunity to reoffend again and again. For the next five days, the Tyler Morning Telegraph plans to re-examine the case that ripped away the innocence of a small town and traumatized a region. Many of the details of the photos of those difficult days come from the newspaper archives and journalists of the, of the day, who followed the story from the disappearance to McFadden's trial and eventually executed by lethal injection. The series also includes recent interviews with some people directly affected by the murders and updates of their lives today. Some are in new places in their lives, other are still unable to con conquer and conquer the despair that arises after such senseless acts. Others contacted through friends, relatives, electronic media, or traditional mail chose not to talk about the painful chapter in their lives, which is completely understandable. Oh yeah. Um. So, they let him off for the third time without completely him doing his full you know, his 15 time. year sentence both times. And knowing that he didn't like following rules, he is still going to do what he wants to. And it's not, no one's going to stop him. 
He's yes. just going to continue to do what he wants to do. Which is going to lead to a death of one or more people. Nope. Which is senseless if the prison and, would actually have just kept him in there and not let him out because they didn't want to house and feed him. Like, that's a stupid excuse. They just neglected the duties, dude. Alright, so Hawkins could be described as a largely blue-collar town. That's very true. Built on the sweat and sore muscles of the oil industry. That's very true as well. Town historical historically offered reasonable, affordable housing for workers and plentiful infusions of cash when the oil field was booming. Exxon was once a major employer in the area and Hawkins School District enjoyed the benefits of being its neighbor. It was the remains of a close-knit community of common-sense values where people look out for one another and scold other people's children if they needed. That's a lot of small towns. Even today, they still do that. I mean, we all know each other. We know everybody's kin. Oh, yeah. And and let someone... And let one of your uh, friend's parents catch you doing something you ain't supposed to. Oh, yeah. They will pull over. I remember as a kid when I grew up in Days Out of Texas, one of our family friends, I'm not going to mention, but I was riding a bike down the main road in Days Out of, and she pulled over, and she, she tore my ass up right there on the side of the road. So... Uh, I get it. I get that. That makes a lot of sense when it comes to small towns. Oh, yeah. But it seems like yesterday and always will. You never get over it. You just learn to live with it. So pretty much Suzanne's aunt repeats herself a lot in a lot of these statements, which I can understand going through what she had to. But Suzanne remembered for her infectious grin was a graduating senior and a cheerleader. She was active in several organizations, including BAN, the National Honor Society and Future Teachers of America, acquired her job later at the local pharmacy. Which I don't know what pharmacy that would have been. I don't have the information. I didn't even think to look it up. The beautiful Gina voted Miss Hawkins High School was academically gifted and valedictorian of the 1984 graduate class. At the time of her death, she was attending Tyler Junior College and dreamed of being a nurse. Brian recalled as an all-around good guy, was above average student and gifted athlete who played both football and basketball before attending Tyler Junior College. The time of his death, Brian lived at the lake with his uncle, which was a positive for Suzanne and Gina, who were always on the lookout for an excuse to head to the sparkling shores. A trio planned to ride around the cool night air, but they didn't make it back by curfew to everyone's horror disbelief they never made it home at all. So at the time of the disappearance of murders, it was common for young people to spend hours at the lake, hanging out at the point, which they still do today. Yeah, just doing basically what anyone else is. Oh, yeah, drinking beer, smoking pot, smoking cigarettes. You know, every kid's thing that they've always done. I've done it. I'm sure you have. (laughs) So, 
Teenagers would gather each weekend by the dozens at this point to enjoy the freedom of youth. Lazing on the sandy beach, listening to music on their car radios, rubbing baby oil, iodine blend on sun-drenched skin. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, Why'd you put iodine on your skin? They felt safe at the lake and largely insulted from the world. Insulted? Insulated. I read that wrong. My bad. From the world that lay behind the piney curtain of trees surrounded. McFadden, the paroled sex offender, felt safe there, too. Well, of course he did. He had victims. <clears throat> and it was a small town, and he could thought he probably could get away with it. It's a very wooded area. Unfortunately. No. Nope. He was caught, eventually. And we'll get there. Oh. He was known to camp not too far from the point where rolling waves crashed against the rugged shoreline, and pretty girls flirted with the guys. Alright. So, didn't realize it said that. That was kind of weird. <laughs> McFadden didn't have the same type of teenage experiences kids and Hawkins enjoyed. His life seemed to unravel even before reaching adulthood. So, the former Hosco, Texas oilfield worker dropped out of school before completing junior high and by 19 was married to a girl who was 15. So, pretty much, this is the only thing that I could find. On his childhood was he dropped out of school and was married by 19 who married a 15 year old girl <clears throat> apparently had two children before divorcing several years later after his repeated brushes with the law so she was smart she got out of it that's but i wanted to find the childhood stuff about him because I'm sorry, but what parent's going to let their 15-year-old marry a 19-year-old? Exactly. I mean, that's just... First off, that's gross. Don't do that. And why did he have to drop out of school? Yeah. Like, was he constantly in trouble in school? Did he get kicked out? I mean... Did he just have to get out to work? I... No one really knows. I can't find anything. I've spent hours trying to figure it out, and I can't find absolutely nothing. So, we're going to stop right here for just a second, and I'm going to review my notes a little bit more, and we'll be right back. So, Evil Lurks. State records indicate McFadden was convicted on a burglary charge in 1966. This is the earliest I could find anything about him and the destruction of property in 1968. But by 1973, he was convicted for two rape offenses in Denton and Haskell counties for separate attacks on a 14-year-old girl a junior, and a junior high school teacher. He was sentenced to a currency... Cur, oh my God, I can't speak. To... Concurrent stays in the Texas Department of Corrections, but was paroled in 1978 after serving only a few years. So he spent about three and a half, four years for those two rapes. First off, you have child rape, and then you have aggravated rape on the junior high school teacher. So child rape should have had him put in prison for a lot longer than 15 oh, years yeah. I think that's 
like a 25 to 40 year sentence now depending on the severity of it but McFadden was still on parole when he was convicted in 1979 aggravated a sexual assault on an 18 year old West Texas secretary in Shackleford County so he's already raped three people by 1979 before he did the stuff in Hawkins back in the 80s so he received another 15 year prison sentence but walked out again on parole in 1985 so again didn't spend his full 15 year after telling authorities he would follow the terms of his release Wood County authorities protested vigorously after learning McFadden intended to settle in the Hawkins area and this came from Sheriff Frank, who wrote, I wrote the parole board and asked them not to parole him to this area. Uh, said that May 13th, 1986. I asked them to parole him back to West Texas, where the officials there knew his habits and could better keep an eye on him. Which makes sense. I don't understand why they didn't do that. Exactly, like going to a new area, especially a small town area <clears throat> for someone who's been convicted of multiple times right at this point three people and has served way less time than anyone but the fact that they didn't release him back in West Texas like where they could already knew what was going on. Yeah, they could keep an eye on him, um, keep his address, find out what what he's doing, if he's working, keep a closer exactly. eye on him. Because in Hawkins, you really can't do that. Yeah, it's a small town, but with small towns, you don't really have a lot of the stuff you do in bigger cities. A lot of the works like oilfield, and you're you go wherever. So. I mean, that makes sense. I don't know why they didn't do that. But after moving to Wood County for a fresh start, McFadden tried for a while to follow the rules, but he couldn't stay out of trouble. On the same day, the three friends disappeared. McFadden, just months into his release, was trying to stay one step ahead of the authorities. He matched the description of the wild hair tattooed man who approached a couple at a lake at Lake Hawkins at about 7.45 p.m. asking for money and a quick sexual encounter. I did not know that. That's why didn't they report well, him for that? Exactly. That's that's a form of prostitution that he's asking for for paid pleasure. Yeah. So the and couple should have said something if they had said and something. And had a public yeah place like a. So the suspect pulled a weapon but eventually let the couple leave after they convinced him they had no cash records show. They left him standing near a blue and white Bronco type vehicle and reported the incident to authorities. A few hours later, family members of Suzanne, Jean, and Brian started worrying after the trio failed to show up after the ride around the lake. Okay, so they did actually report him but they didn't get there in time apparently. Brian's brother located his truck abandoned about a half mile from where the couple was confronted at gunpoint. A search was launched and neighbors reported seeing the missing friends with a scruffy man in a blue and white vehicle, possibly a Chevrolet Blazer or Ford Bronco. 
Authorities were eager to locate the unkempt, unkempt man. I hate that word. It's such a stupid word. Um, Suzanne's body was located the following day. And by May 6, officers stopped the suspected vehicle near Loop 564 and the State Highway 37 north of Mineola. The man behind the wheel was McFadden. He was taken into custody and jailed in Wood County on suspected suspicion, suspicion of aggravated yeah, robbery, robbery, and with a bond of a hundred thousand dollars. Authorities were still questioning him about Suzanne's death and Jean and Brian's disappearance when two more bodies were surfaced. Alright, so... Finally got convicted for a murder, or possibly a murder. They didn't have him linked to it just yet by that time. Probably another one that's... Because it's... It's unbelievable that they took so long to actually finally, like, put him behind bars for good. Yeah. For as long as he was behind bars, that is. It took him a while. I mean, it... And the fact that it took, what'd they say, two days to find her body after she was killed? Yeah. And we're gonna get into more detail about that, um... We're going to go into detail about what occurred, how she died, when she died, and also uh, Brian and Gina. And there's some other little information in there that's kind of wild. Like what? Uh, the We're going to kidnap the jailer. Oh yeah, we're definitely going to get into car. that. Uh, after we discussed the death of the three teens, or two teens and Brian, uh, yeah, it gets very interesting and honestly kind of stupid, if you ask me. So, Jerry Walter McFadden, who became the infamous as the animal for massacring two girls and a boy in Texas in 1986, the killing which left the state of Texas terrorized. After his arrest, the animal successfully spread fear and terror again when he escaped from prison, but we are going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, So, the next day, Suzanne Harrison's body was found by a maintenance crew on Burnwell Mountain, about 30 miles away from the lake. She was found to have been raped, sodomized before being strangled by her own underwear. The discovery of the gruesome rape and murder sent waves of panic across the state, along with the police and public, also formed large search parties to search for Suzanne's missing friends. So last year they actually came out on ID investigations, ex- investigation discoveries. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, over this. And it's actually really, really good. I mean, the way they did everything and talked about everything. But, I mean, they had, I want to say, eight tactical parties searching for this dude at that time. And it was like eight groups of five officers and a search dog. Like each group had. So around like, around like 40 people. Yeah. 
it's it, it was crazy. <laughs> so just covering just covering the whole area. Oh yeah, but so they started in this area in Barnwell Mountain near Mineola, but come to find out, we'll talk about later. He wasn't even in that area. I mean, he was when he they found the body, but he wasn't the area when they started searching for him. So during one of these massive searches a few days later, Gina and Brian's bodies were found near Orr City. The police would later learn that McFadden was living there at that time. Both their bodies had been decomposed quite a bit by this time they were discovered, by the time they were discovered, but they were determined to be headshot, shot dead, not headshot. McFadden was never charged with, for those shootings for some reason. Like, I, I don't understand why he did get charged for that, but, and I did some more research. I couldn't really find exactly how they were shot. I don't know why I said headshot, but, I mean, uh, we don't know if they were shot in the chest, head, back, uh, I don't know, but there's, like, no information I could find on how they were actually shot and killed. So McFadden had already already a convicted serial rapist. According to prison officials, he was violent with women and found pleasure in stalking, overpowering them, which we'd already talked about. And in 1972, McFadden had pled guilty to raping a 14-year-old girl in Denton, and a year later, a year later, he also pleaded guilty for the rape of the high school teacher in Haskins, and then again in 1978 when he took an 18-year-old secretary hostage and was convinced convicted of raping her as well though convicted of these crimes McFadden never served a, a complete sentence and always managed to get out of parole during the 1986 murders the state of Texas was reportedly reducing its prison population to save money free up space so all the shit that they shouldn't have done McFadden seemingly took advantage of the system to stay out of jail and continue his criminal activities. They were always going to do that, actually go through and check who's being released. Yeah. Like, they should have done a better job of who they were releasing and how they were releasing them and on what charges. Like, again, like, it should have been, like, minor, like, theft or something. Those should have been released, not serial rapists that soon became serial killers. Exactly. <clears throat> Alright, so, while he was incarcerated after the, the killing and raping of these three kids, uh, McFadden kidnapped Williams Turner... After escaping from Upshur County Jail in Gilmer, Texas. So this is where we're going to talk about him actually kidnapping. I was, I heard she was like a secretary, but she was more of like a guard watch. Um, the incident that happened, and this is her words. The incident that happened to me 33 years ago was life changing, but I'm so happy and blessed to still be alive and able to talk about it. And who now lives in Texarkana, Arkansas. I don't blame her for getting the hell out of here after all this. And on July 9th of 1986, Williams Turner was working as a dispatcher and a jailer at the Upshur County Jail in Gilmer. 
<clears throat> McFadden was being held in isolation at the time, awaiting trial for the murders of three people at Lake Hawkins earlier that May. <clears throat> uh, Turner was working dispatch duties when then Sheriff Deputy Ken Mayfield was let McFadden out to make a phone call. McFadden hit the deputy over the head and kidnapped Williams Turner. So apparently he hit him over the head, knocked him out, and then he put him, the jailer, in the cell that McFadden was in and then locked it up and then took Turner. When you hear something like that, it almost makes you think of, like, a movie. Yeah. Like, this can't happen in real life. Like, you're literally in a jail and you easily escaped. Oh, yeah. And the fact... Yeah, so Williams Turner was dehydrated but unharmed. McFadden was taken into custody after an extensive manhunt. He was executed by lethal injection finally in 1999. Uh, Turner, who worked as a dispatcher for Texas Department of Communications for the number of years after moving to Texarkana, said she is surprised people are still interested in the crime from 1986. However, she said this show should be different because the families of the three young people who died are being interviewed for it as well. So this is that show I was talking about on ID. Um, She also said, my heart still goes out to the family of those kids. I will be anxious to hear what they have to say. And this was before it aired last year. The ID channel showed featuring Williams Turner will air last spring. Here it says next spring. But Ottoman said she said the show will have a serious tone and will focus on the crimes in small southern towns. Since retiring from DPS, Williams Turner has worked at Edgewood Nursing Home. Alright, so I did find new evidence of a possible other rape and kill. So... Earlier this year, McFadden was identified by DNA as the person who killed a young woman in Portland, Oregon, nearly 40 years ago. Her name was Anna Marie uh, Hivaka. Hivka? Sounds Russian. Uh, Who was 20 years old, was killed in an apartment on July 24th of 1979. Authorities said... Her killer, Jerry McFadden, was identified using the same technology that led to the arrest last year in California for the Golden State Killer case. Uh, Anna Marie was sexually assaulted and strangled with an electrical cord. The Portland Police Bureau said at a new conference, retired detectives submitted evidence to the state crime lab in 2009 for forensic testing. Authorities said the evidence eventually showed McFadden was Anna Marie's killer. So, Portland police said an unknown male DNA profile was found in 2011 in evidence collections from the scene of the 1979 slaying. The profile was deemed especially good considering how much time had passed. Last May, detectives researched forensic genealogy using unidentified DNA profiles from homicide scenes and technology used to bring about the May 2018 arrest of the suspect in the Golden State Killer. Scientists were able to map three of the four family line, 
family lines in the Portland killer and I identified him as McFadden. So he's killed multiple people. Multiple and didn't get charged for not one. He only got charged for well he got charged for the rape and the killing of the first uh what was it? Suzanne Harris. Harrison, excuse me. Not Gina Turner, not Ryan Boone. Alright, so going back to the jailer, whose name is Rosalie. McFadden held Rosalie in a rubber boxcar in Big Sandy as he desperately hid from the law. So the next day, in the daring act of bravery, Rosalie managed to escape. And I watched a little bit on, I think it was YouTube. But she talked that she said she was complaining she was really thirsty. So McFadden left the boxcar to and found a house nearby the boxcar in Big Sandy. I was trying to get water. And as she looked out of the boxcar, she saw that a dog was jumping on him. I'm not sure if the dog was attacking him or I'm just excited and wanting to play. I have no idea. But she escaped during that time. She rushed to a nearby house, not the one that McFadden was at. But yeah, no (laughs) kidding. It's like every white girl in every horror movie. Uh, She begged for help. Once the police were informed about the place where the fugitive was hiding, they organized one of the biggest manhunt Texas had ever seen at this time. Every road out of Big Sandy was blocked. The officers went from house to house searching for McFadden. Two days after his escape from prison, the police team found him in an abandoned house in Collin County. McFadden was in a messy state and surrendered immediately. His case then quickly moved to trial and the jury deliberated for just 35 minutes. Which, out of all the serial killers I think I've heard about, this was the quickest the jury ever came to a decision. It usually takes in between four to eight hours, sometimes days. It's a big, long process. And now this one, they finally got everything that said, no, this is it. Oh, yeah. So literally 50, well, not 50, 35 minutes, he was sentenced to death. McFadden never testified during his trial, but on October 14, 1999, McFadden was executed by lethal injection for the murder of Suzanne Harrison. In 2019, 20 years later, after McFadden's executions, uh, police were able to find the closure for Anna Marie Death, who was murdered in 1979. So, they were able to map three of the killers. Yeah, so they were able to map three of the killers' four family lines, which came to the realization that he was the killer of Anna Marie as well. So, we have four deaths, and he was only charged with one, but this one, it was the very last one. And he was already dead, so they really couldn't charge him. You can't really charge someone who's dead. There's nothing that's going to come out of it. Exactly. But yeah, so... The... The security guard uh, dispatcher... 
Um, you can actually go on YouTube. There's a three-part series. I think they're about between 8 and 16 minutes long. It's actually very interesting of what she did, how she reacted towards the whole incident. I would strongly suggest go checking that out. And if you can, go look up the uh, movie. Or not movie, the show on ID. Because they go in a little bit more detail of things I couldn't find. But... Yeah, so... Stupid prison. Stupid time and era, era in time for releasing people of rape, murder, suspected homicide because they didn't have the proof or evidence to convict them any further. <clears throat> that and the signs were there. He just kept kept coming back to prison, coming back to prison. I would think after the third time, they'd have just kept him there for his full sentence, not releasing him. To me, that exactly. was so stupid. Coming back for the same exact thing. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah, and then they'll only have <clears throat> been charged with the murder of one. Like, I would love to look at the face of the person who let him loose all three times after the death of these kids and be like, wow, I really messed up. Exactly. Just see his face. That I'm sure the parents and relatives and friends of these people who have died, I'm sure they would love to be able to see why they let him go instead of other that were in prison. Like, out of everybody that was in prison, they let the exactly. rapist go. It's stupid. I don't understand it. But, uh, so, that was Jerry McFadden, as known as the animal, who was a serial killer here in Hawkins, Texas, where I currently live. Literally happened right across the lake where I live. Because I live on the lake. But, uh, and I found out through a lot of my family members that don't live around this area, live down south of Texas. They knew nothing of this guy. Like, knew nothing about his spree, his history, conviction, nothing. So they're actually very intrigued and really anxious to hear the story of Jerry McFadden. I just wish I could have found something in his childhood. Yeah, but some... No, it's... It's always interesting learning about how this stuff comes up, but, like, all the stuff that happened and the signs, it should have been there, but they should have done it sooner. Oh, yeah, it should have been done sooner, and the fact that they let him go was just beyond stupid. And then, that animal. Yeah, the animal (laughs) is such a stupid fucking name. Uh. Yeah, so he was born see March 21st 1948 and was executed on October 14th of 1999 at the age of 51 apparently his the men in his life only lived I want to say to like 68 
So he died pretty early. Yeah. Well, because he was, you know, killed by lethal <laughs> injection, but... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's usually what that does. Mm-hmm. But his span of crimes were from 1973 to 1986. It's over a decade. I just... <clears throat> it's just beyond baffles me that he's able to get away with getting out of prison all that time. That just... Multiple times. Yeah. For... <clears throat> that just shows how bad the judicial system is. Mm -hmm. Like He was sentenced for 15 years in prison in 73 for two counts of rape and paroled in December of 1978. And then committed July 24th of 1979 for in Portland for the murder of Anna Marie McFadden was not identified as the killer until January of 2019 using genetic gene genealogy so he convicted in the 79 for aggravated sexual abuse for kidnapping and raping an 18 year old woman at knife point and then paroled in 85 so, having served less than five years of a 15-year sentence. So, that's two 15-year sentences that he totals maybe spent eight years in. And then he was arrested on May of 86 for the rape and murder of the 18-year-old Suzanne Harrison and the murder of 20-year-old Gina Turner and 19-year-old Brian Boone. Uh... So, Gina Turner and Brian Boone were not raped, not sexually assaulted in any manner. They were literally just shot dead. Just. Which, I, I mean, in a way, is a good thing. At least it didn't have to endure what Suzanne had to. So. And none of it should have ever happened. No, it shouldn't have. And when you have the sheriff writing and telling you not to parole them to a certain area, maybe take that into account. Yeah, pretty much. But that's pretty much all I have on Jerry McFadden. Do you have anything you want to add or anything that you might have dug up that I might have missed? No. I mean, other... I mean, no, there's nothing else. But this one, this is interesting. This one is interesting. I mean, it's not. A, it's interesting, but it's, it's not as interesting as some of the other serial exactly. killers that's ever happened. But it's interesting because I still want to know his childhood. I want to know what drove him to yeah. that mindset of raping people. Like, was he molested as a child? Uh, was he abused, neglected? Exactly. I'd love to be able to find that information. So if anyone out there has any information, let us know. Uh, we're on Instagram, and our podcast is on Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Google Podcast, Breaker, Spotify, and Anchor. And I want to thank Anchor for letting us start a podcast over all this stuff. Yeah. And 
We're going to try to have an episode once a week. Right now with mine and Kate's work schedule, it might differ each week. Uh, This week, we're going to try to get it out this Thursday, the 13th. But if I'm able to go in and edit and fix things that were done in this podcast, then it might actually be uploaded sooner. But right now we're just on Instagram. Um, So like us on Instagram at MysteriousMysteries21. And or follow us, <laughs> not like us. Uh, also on Instagram. I mean, likes are appreciated. <laughs> oh yeah, likes are very much appreciated. But on Instagram, uh, probably about four days before we do the next episode, I will have a sneak peek photo of what we'll be talking about in the next video or audio. Do kind of like a little teaser. Yeah. A little teaser trailer. Either a teaser trailer or just a photo. I mean, oh, <laughs> oh my bad. So kind of like the Jerry Walter McFadden. I literally just took a picture of his face and threw it on there with the release date of when the episode's gonna be on all these podcasts. Um, eventually we will be on uh, Apple. Apple Podcast. Uh, I think it takes a couple weeks uh, for legal issues. They have to go through and do little backgrounds and stuff. So it should be on there hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. But as of right now, so far we have 24 different subjects we'll be talking about. So hopefully all stay tuned. Stay tuned and eventually we will have a lot more to talk about and yeah so anything else Kate anything you want to add no I'm just see. this is gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun yeah um, and in the future some of these other serial killers that we're gonna be talking about they're really really messed up so oh yeah you know if you're young and impressionable please don't listen don't listen to this if you're impressionable exactly but yeah listener discretion is strongly advised for a lot of these ones we're pretty much going to say that every episode just because even if there's nothing bad about what we're talking about just in case but yeah that's all we have so we thank y'all for tuning in and we will see y'all next week y'all next week